Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. Mother Teresa. Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince edition. Reflections. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. This has been Pruitt, your host for the next couple of months. I'm alone, but I'm only alone from my other co-host. That means I get to have all these really cool guests on, and today is no exception. Today we have a lovely set of two, not one, but two guests, and I'm thrilled to welcome back Devin Geel. And just as a reminder for those of you who didn't hear her Pride episode, Devin is the lead writer for Wonderstorm, is brilliant, not just because she's joined us for another episode, but as we know, the Dragon Prince is brilliant and she's a big part of that. And so we're thrilled to have Devin back, but that's not all. Also joining us is Chris James. She uses she, her pronouns, and is a sellsword writer and former best-selling novelist who has had a big hand in writing the reflections we will be discussing today. How are you both? Welcome to the podcast. Hello again. What's up? Hi. Thank you. I'm Devin, by the way. This is my voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Devin. yeah, I'm Chris over here. This voice. Chris. That's <laughs> fabulous. I am just so excited to have both of you. This is a, these reflections have been some of the coolest things that I've been able to like read. And it's just these short, like less than a page, seemingly little stories that just give us this insight that we have been missing for quite a while in the Dragon Prince universe. And so I'm really just excited to talk about them. But before we dive into those, what I'd love to do is learn more about you all. Uh, because I, I think that knowing who you are kind of matters. So tell us about what you do. What's your affiliation with the Dragon Prince? What is like the main thing that you do with the Dragon Prince? And then let's, and since Devin, you've kind of gone before, let's hear from you. And then we'll hear more from Chris since we haven't heard as much. Uh, yeah. Um, so ever since, uh, for the first three seasons on the Dragon Prince, I was a um, staff writer and co-producer on the first three seasons. And for the upcoming uh, four seasons, I am, lead writer and a regular producer without the co in front of it, um, which means I, I just have a lot more responsibilities on the show. Um, <laughs> and so my relationship with the Dragon Prince is it's my job, but it's also um, something that I've had the the huge blessing of being able to pour like so much of myself into it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like, I hope that that's really resonated with people because uh, it's been, like I said, it's uh, all the things that I get away with in the Dragon Prince are things that I wasn't really sure I would ever get to do in my career. So uh, it means a lot to me. <laughs> I love to hear it. And so Chris, what what is your history and affiliation with the Dragon Prince? Oh gosh. Uh, I discovered it when season two dropped. That's when I entered the the fandom, basically. I watched the the first two seasons and I was like, wait, I'm seeing a lot of cool stuff. And I watched it again and again and again and again. And it's so rewatchable. I'm one of those people that loves details. Yes. And this show has, okay, I still haven't found them all. Okay, literally, I could watch <laughs> any episode today right now and be like, wait, are you kidding me? Did you see that in the background? That's that's my vibe right there. 
Um, so I fell in love with the the show and the writing and the the presentation of it, just as here's a story that's so deep you will never find the bottom. That that was the first time I'd really found a show that was catered to me so specifically. That was amazing. Um, so I dived in to the fandom and I started playing around with uh possibilities and connections and play and getting to know the characters that way. And that kind of led me to who wrote this? You know, uh, cool. in the back of my head, I was like, hey, these people are just cool. Oh my gosh, look at this. Um, so I spent a couple of years just being a, a fandom theorist, basically. Yeah. But before I landed in The Dragon Prince, I, I had two other careers. And the latest one was uh, novel writing. And that kind of came to an end. And so fandom was a way for me to keep using my writing in a way that was fresh and enjoyable again. It really, I don't want to overuse the word healing like like I'm making light of it. It was really helpful. It was. Um, So together, all of those things just kind of meshed together. And eventually I met Devin and, you know, actually unrelated sort of to the Dragon Prince. Um, And um, here I am. Wow, what a story. Like, I am always really impressed with the people who use their creativity, especially through writing, to create these stories that often are fan fiction, but then being able to go in and start of join the the crew to create canon is what a, that's like a, a lot of like fanfic writers' dreams is to be able to do that. And I'm not saying that you were writing fanfic, but in a way, it sounds like you were. Is that like, what are thoughts on that? Is that, is that my, am I reading that correctly? Oh no. Yeah. I absolutely wrote fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm just. The, the funny part is that the way that I wrote fan fiction still, I mean, if I were to write any, anything ever as fan fiction, it would be, can I make it canon compliant? Because that to me is mm. a challenge. I can write any AU that I want to. That's easy yeah. for me in my head the the fun technical challenge of can I shape this piece so it fits with what exists like a puzzle mm. so seamlessly that people are like wait this could work you yeah. know I, I I like that that I can see something identify it so well that I can add to it um and I, it, uh, that seems to be a strength for where mm. I am right now actually so wow well, that's so cool. And so as a as a writer, both of you kind of have this just capacity to craft these things. And this, I think I, I really like the way you worded that of how do I become uh, and write in a way that is canon compliant? Um, that's a really interesting thing that I, I wonder. And I, I think there's a lot of freedom for a lot of people who use their creativity in a healing way, much like you were talking about, but they do it intentionally not canon compliant because it is healing for them right oh I have those two I absolutely yeah yeah. sometimes you have to leave canon behind and wander in a direction that feels like you need to go there absolutely do what you want with with fiction the the stuff that you write needs to be for you Mm. you know it needs to 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 fulfill something in you that maybe I mean canon was written canon gets written for lots of reasons that that don't individually include you as a person so you as a person get to write whatever you want and make your own reality in a way yeah and and i think that's that's a freedom that everybody should just go nuts with just go nuts just do the thing right yeah. write everything 
I've been doing a lot of like hand gestures because we're actually on Zoom and I realize that nobody can see me doing like fist pumps and <laughs> stuff like too. that. So oh, I, sh- oh, shoot. I'm also Dang like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of, of fan works. And I think uh, people taking, you know, Canon is just one set of writers or creators or artists, et cetera. It's like a version of a story that exists. Um, and I really, I, I think it can only... Um, what the right satisfy is not the right word, but it, it really will only reach holistically a certain set of the audience. And there'll always be people who are like, oh, I really like this about canon, but I really wish X. And I think like that's to me so much of the purpose of fiction is you like, okay, cool, that's actually what inspiration is. You have been inspired to take that and run with it and create something unique. Um yes. and so yes. I think I'm always like saying that canon is like it's cool, but never let it really stop you from like getting yeah. something more out of fiction and so I really when people like say like I hate x in the dragon prince canon I'm like sweet take it and run with it and do something that is entirely your own um and I, I really hope people continue to do that so yes write fan fiction go nuts uh it's the best yeah well and so one one thing I have kind of as a follow-up to this is one of the uh my my background is in spirituality that's my edu- my education is in spirituality but also in social work and trying to figure out how to incorporate those things and what i'm really leaning into here is that writing fantasy and fiction is a f- is a sacred practice and it helps us tap into the the connectedness of everyone right and what happens is often people see themselves in these stories, which is why this podcast exists. We see ourselves mm-hmm. in stories we, and as we try to escape to them because they, they have given us a safe place often that reality doesn't hold. And so as we try to escape to these places, we learn better how to craft our own realities, right? And by writing within canon compliancy, right? By doing that, sometimes there are fantasy stories and fictional stories that are actively harmful that diverging from canon becomes something where now I feel safe, where now I feel seen. And one of the things I really appreciate about the Dragon Prince, and it's not perfect, like, but it is significantly uh, more inclusive than many other shows that are available for people to vision themselves into. And so one of the things I hope to learn from both of you today about the reflections that we're going to be learning about is who are the people that are going to be, and this isn't a, this is more rhetorical, but who are the people that are able to see themselves more, more clearly through these stories? And how are we going to tap into that? That's something I'm really interesting. That's a good way of approaching. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. So we've heard a little bit about your work. Now, I would love to hear just uh, something that makes you you outside of what you do. Not let's let's get away from the capitalist rigor and get into the humanity and the personhood that makes Chris Chris, that makes Devin Devin. Um, so, what makes you tick? What are the things that you love to do that are outside of the the work realm? Either of you. Wait, do you mean like creatively or just like my life? <laughs> yes. I, whatever, whatever comes to mind, right? Maybe, uh, it's, okay. maybe um, it's creatively, I love to write about um, extremely flawed people um, who are still worthy of love, despite making a cavalcade of mistakes in their life and, you know, learning from them, growing from them, stumbling over them. Uh, I find all of this sort of 
exploring these things very fascinating. And Chris is looking at me like, I've read your other fan fiction. I know what the hell you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, I love her um, other fan fiction. <laughs> it's good. So yeah, that's sort of like my other outlet is I write like slightly darker stuff, but it's all, it's, it's all this very uh, messy people making mistakes, but still like finding connect connections and, you know, worthiness of the self uh, for affection and love and reciprocation. Uh, mm. That's, that's my creative jam. Um, as a person, I really like dogs and coffee. That's about as interesting as I get. Um, I actually just adopted a new dog uh, as of like last week and she's sitting beside me right now and she's being pretty good. Her name is Ember. So dogs that. and coffee. That's my, the rest of my life. Dogs, coffee and writing about uh, people who have made mistakes. They still deserve <laughs> Many, <love>. many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, Chris, I'm really curious to, to learn more about you as well. Oh, oh, that makes two of us. Mm. No, uh, <laughs> um, honestly, my jam is world building. I love making worlds. Like literally, tell me to build a planet, and I will go nuts. I love, I love biomes. I love weather patterns. I love what kind of rock is that under the forest? You know, when you when you get a cave, what's in the cave? What kind of rock is it? Does it have stalactites? Is there water? Is it hard water? Soft water? What kind of cryptids live in there? What do they eat? What what does that mean for their appendages? You know, I I I I live in this sort of nonsensical details where it's like, oh, I don't know. Let's throw some things together that are vaguely based on random biology. I I love that sort of thing. I was a good science student in school, but it wasn't my calling to go be a scientist. But I feel like I've taken all of that background stuff about geography, geology, biology, uh, weather, meteorology, all that stuff. And I've just sort of like held on to it uh, for years and been like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? You know, I just I take these science things and then I just go and throw it all up in the air and see what lands first. And I love making systems that hold together like a little bit. They have internal logic, like like give me a forest and I'll be like, okay, so it's a high forest and that means it gets cold and snowy so you're gonna have things that live there that change color for the winter maybe and maybe they burrow right and so what what do they burrow into is it safe down there do they fight things down there is it maybe they burrow into a giant living creature that's the size of a hill and they live in its fur for the winter i don't you know i'm just literally like i just go off because it's yeah. so much fun to be like, and, 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 I just keep saying, and, and then there's more information and yeah. Okay. This I've is been actually talking like for not one of my strengths as a writer. So like Chris always like blows my mind when she like lists all these sort of cool world building ideas. And I'm just like, yeah, but how do the characters like cry about it? Cause it's <laughs> right. No, 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 no. I love that though, because I, my perspective really is this sort of overview where I feel like I'm hovering you know, several hundred feet above a, a great fantasy landscape, and I can look down and see all my creations, blah, blah, blah. But from that high up, I don't see the tears, <laughs> if yeah. you will. And yeah. Devin's like, How do I but put the tears are there, you got to zoom in. They're crying in a forest. Um, but that's one thing I really appreciate about her perspective is it's different than mine. And so yeah. I'm learning just by hanging out with her, the things that she constantly remembers, the things that that she puts into her work that that inform her work. And I'm like, oh, mm. this does exist. So hanging out with somebody who has a different perspective is always enriching. Even if you're, you know, whether you're working, whether you're messing around doing a hobby, it doesn't matter. Hanging out with people that are different than you is one of my favorite things. Um, I guess that's something about me. I I like people who are different, but also the same. 
um, because then I can connect with them. And when I connect with people, I feel like I get bigger on the inside, like a TARDIS. Wow. And that's, uh, that's something that I, I really need, honestly, when I'm just by myself, these last couple of years, with the whole isolation of the pandemic and the lockdown really were not healthy. I did not have a good time. Um, so now that I'm sort of recovering a bit and reaching out, I'm finding more of me reflected in other people. Uh, reflections? Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, that's some way. Wow, interesting. Word um, choice. <laughs> it's, it's been, no, seriously, it has been, it's been very helpful to me uh, on, a, on a personal uh, enrichment level to do this work. Um, as well as the fact that I get to contribute to actual Dragon Prince canon and to practice my writing and, uh, you know, learn some more writing techniques. Like I've, I've not written for a show before in, in connection with that sort of media. So mm-hmm. that's new. And I've really enjoyed this process of, okay, but make it, make it tighter, make it more uh, intense kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. I can do that. I can do anything as long as I, I practice at it. I'm, I, I, I'm full of possibilities, but I don't always know where to put them. So it's been really nice finding this avenue to release my creativity and, and enrich it. And um, I've just had an amazing time working yeah. on these stories. It's been a delight. It's been an absolute yeah. delight all the time. One of the things I appreciate, um, I, I think what makes really good art uh, really good is when people's um, passion is able to uh, translate and not necessarily like my personal passion translating into this piece via like you can tell that I wrote it, but more the the attention to detail that you're lifting up, the the interconnectedness of every piece of living thing that matters in a universe and world building, right? That helps make this detail all the more salient to why this person is crying in the forest, right? Um, So I I really love how they all connect. And there's there's something really beautiful about that. Because, and for me, I would say I'm probably going to lean closer in my writing style to like what's going to make someone cry because that's what I want to write about too when I'm writing. And I'm like, okay, why is this person about to cry? Or why is this person (laughs) uh, want all the love? Why do they they need all the love? Um, But you can't, miss out on those details because if you do there there are you miss a whole other audience of people who think in the details right there's a there's I think it was Sondheim that said uh God is in the details when he was writing Mm. his musicals and uh some people also say that the devil's in the details and I think it's a little bit of both right um so it's really interesting to to think about but speaking of details we're we're going to dive into all of these different reflections and there's before we dive into any particular one what i'd love to do is just let's go big and broad about this whole project how did this project come about in the first place like what where did it come from whose idea was it let's let's just start there i'd love to hear more about the project as a whole i'll do this one um because it was really fun from my perspective um so like for a really long time internally we'd wanted to do more like uh just uh, prose content for, I want, it sounds really like trite when I say like for the website, but it really is like a while back, I wrote the Luna Bloom story, the one that was like for Athari's birthday or something, or Renan's, I can't remember. Um, 
it had all of them in it. So it was just like, I really wanted to write this story. But um, me and the team internally are really, really busy. And it's actually incredibly, as a, um, I will say like as lead writer, it we tried and there's all these times where like, I wanted to get some of these things off the ground, but we just have like so much going on um, yeah. with the team and with everybody internally. Uh, and so I just never really like got to put a lot of effort into, you know, rallying people around this sort of project. And so I was like, ah, someday, you know, someday. Um, enter Chris, who I met through other fan, another IP fan works, um, World of Warcraft, plug. Uh, <laughs> I write a bunch of World of Warcraft fan fiction, leave me alone. Um, no, no, I so, didn't. So, <laughs> I know, right. So we, we had sort of met and bonded over that. And like, Chris is an incredible writer. Um, and she pitched me on sort of a, a sort of different kind of content for TDP pros. And I was like, cool, let me take that to publishing and sort of like our internal team and see what they think. Cause it was very much in line with like, I wanted to do something like this for a while. Um, and so I took it to our very, very powerful, cool um, publishing <laughs> marketing folks and uh, shout outs to them. I don't know if they'll actually listen, but they're great. I love them. Um, and <laughs> They're fantastic. They're really, really good at their job. Like they blow me away all the time. Um, and so I was like, hey, I want to do this. Like, and I've talked about this before with you. I've just never be able, been able to sort of organize around it in, in, within the confines of Wonderstorm. And they were like, neat. What if we did something like this, but for the season four release? Um, and like we did a bunch of these little pieces to support um, the lead up to the season four launch. And so mm -hmm. I took that back to Chris and was like, would you be interested in writing a bunch of pieces for the season four launch? And she basically was just like, um, yes. Um, so it was, it was sort of a, a really happy accident where Chris pitched me. It was entirely her idea to like, what if, what if I wrote dragon print stuff? And I was like, awesome. I really have wanted like an external resource to write stuff like this for a while because we just can't do it internally. We're all too ludicrously busy and it's too much for me to manage. Um, marketing also wanted to do something like this and it just magically very quickly became a sort of like signed off on piece of um everything we were already planning to do for season four um and that was that and then we were like oh so okay well, so what are we actually going to write um and so <laughs> that's that's how it happened uh it's it's really like to me it's an example of just like go for it <laughs> Because if Chris hadn't been like, I would like to write these things, I would have just, I would have continued to hem and haw about how I didn't really have the ability to do these with, you know, internal time and, and yeah. bandwidth and stuff like that. Um, and so, was, and they turned out great. I'm like so ludicrously proud of the project um, that would have otherwise never happened. Fascinating. Wow. One of the things that I've been thinking about as these have come up is I have been wishing, like, why don't why doesn't every TV show do this? <laughs> there's just so much. Um, there's always time that passes, right? And there's not always, you know, uh, two years worth of time that, that happens in between seasons. But anytime where that does exist, there's this one craving of like, what happened during that time? And who said what? And these little details and like, how did they cope with? And that's a long time with really big events that have happened between the end of season three and the start of season four. And that's just with what we know and what has been put out so far. What I should say me, because you all probably know more than me, but there in my probably, I mean, definitely. Uh, and so it, there's so much that has gone down and this is a one brilliant way marketing wise marketing. Definitely. I can see why they're on the board because like, it's this whole 
three months leading up to the show that's giving people a chance to just like heightening and anchor in the anticipation just a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and twitter has been fascinating to watch because like the since there was a release date and even before that talking about these reflections and like getting this like inkling of like little like little spoon feeding of each little it's just fascinating and i just don't see a downside but what i'm hearing from your end uh is that it's a resource allocation issue and like a, a capacity issue to to be to be able to do something like this um so it i'm chris i'm curious when when you were thinking about wanting to write for this uh what was the what was the thing that made you reach out like i'm was it the fact that you were pre already friends with devin that made it easier or what like what what made it so that you were like this is the reason I need to reach out about this. It definitely helped that I knew somebody um, that worked there and, you know, and trusted her and was like, she will hear me out. Even if she says no, she'll at least take me seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, because at that point we'd known each other for several months and I, I had put enough writing in front of her eyes that she could judge for herself whether she mm. thought I was, you know, going to be able to do that. Not Dragon and, Prince, by the way. It is important no, to know yeah, no. that I cannot read Dragon Prince fan fiction yes, no. for like weird legal reasons. So this yeah, is all like yeah. outside fandom things that we can exactly. discover. Yeah, no, I've never, I've never um, dared to even bring that up. I know the rules. I'm, I've been a novelist. I know about legal things. So, um, yeah, we we only did writing in other things that were not Dragon Prince, but there was a lot of writing. We were just hanging out, writing stuff. And and eventually uh, I actually one of my favorite quotes is a Hamilton quote. I picked up a pen. I wrote my own deliverance. And I had that pounding in my head like you got to write it. You got to write your own deliverance. You got to do the second sentence here. Mm. And um, I actually spent two days after I had the idea in, in, in agony of if I open my mouth and say this, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, because what we were just, say yes. <laughs> well, it, yes, that was actually, I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh man. Like I'll have to do things. What? Ah, um, uh, so I, I sat with it for a couple of days and I thought my way through it. And I was like, here's what will happen if, if she says no. Here's what will happen if she says yes, uh, you know, within whatever I could, I could get, you know, like my reaction, like what will I do about it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And eventually I was like, I, I can't live like this. I got to say it. I got to just offer and just not make it a, a big deal. Just let it be a small deal. And it's a deal. Yeah. It's important to me. I would like to do this, but it won't, you know, it's not going to kill me if if it doesn't work out. It's yeah. not going to change anything else because I'm not going to let it. And we're just going to move on. And then she got all excited. She's like, wait, oh my gosh. Like, no, you don't understand. I have been working on this and trying to do this. And I was like, whoa, I, I felt like I'd walked into a room with the pizzas. <laughs> it was, but it was on fire with like you know words, and I was like, "This was already happening." I had no idea. I genuinely was. Uh, I thought I was yelling into a quiet room, and there was like a bunch of writers bouncing on the walls in there already. And it was great. It was great. Um, so I was delighted and and kind of stunned at the reception that everybody was like, "Oh yeah, no, yeah, totally." Like we want this. We we genuinely want this, and. Um, 
So uh, yeah, I've been on board ever since. It was it was delightful getting that level of reception mm-hmm. to an idea that to me sounded um, just small and alone in a big echoing space because I didn't have, you know, I was, I, d- I didn't work. We didn't talk about work. It was other things. And I was like, uh, I have this idea. <laughs> Yeah. And and then it turns out to have been reasonable. Who knew? What what, what a deal! Wow, wow. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit more detail here. Thinking about Devin, you started to hint at this, but you didn't quite answer it. But did you all like have an idea of the stories you wanted to write all at the beginning? These are the ones that we want to write, and then decide how to tackle them from there? Or did you write them like, okay, well, we're just going to write them one in time and see what happens. I'm, what was the, the process like? Um, so once we got sign off on, we're like, okay, we're doing this. We're actually doing like a Canon content as part of the season four um, campaign. It all sounds very like marketing and corporate, but like my experience <laughs> was very, it was very genuine. Like uh, we, we really wanted you know, with a with a time skip, it was important. And we're like, we want to reintroduce people to these characters. We really want to like revisit them and see where they're at in their lives and see like what sort of like has transpired for them in within the passing of two years. So with that framing, like with just everybody internally at Wonderstorm, we sort of did a, a brainstorm about like, okay, so here's the characters we think like, um, you know, people will be curious about over the course of the t- this time skip. And what, what what's a little thing that, you know, we could, we could tell about them that potentially connects to season four. There's my dog, she's crying. Um, potentially connects to season four and sort of like implies a bit of what the, what the journey will be for them once the show comes out. Um, and also is really small and digestible is the other thing that was uh, sort of like a necessity on it. Cause we didn't really want to like write really, really long expository things for them. Um, and so we did, we, I had a little PowerPoint presentation that basically just had like the little bullet points of like, here's what this story is going to be. And some of them came from the internal team um, but, a, but a handful of them came from just Chris was like uh, Crackle Drake is my probably my favorite example of one that just Chris was like, I think this would be cool for a Janaya Maya one. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. Yeah, just write that. Um, <laughs> but for example, like some of them, like Chris hasn't seen season four. She's only seen the first episode, much like folks at the Comic Cons. Um, I had to sort of prompt like, OK, so the Ezrin in the crown one, for example, is like, OK, so here um, Ezrin gets this new crown. Um, so. I had to be like in season four, this is a thing. Um, so let's <laughs> let's shape a story around that without giving too much spoilers. Um, yeah. And that's sort of like how we how we brainstorm all of the little PowerPoint. And then later we added two, which uh, were patience, the first one, and uh, Derela one. Yeah, um, as, as as we sort of pre-talked about this, but those two were added after we had brainstormed the initial set um, because sort of like when they looked at the the spread of things that we were going to be doing for the lead up to season four there were these opportunities and so we I wrote the the patience one because it was sort of like oh we really need to like we need to make this go Um, and it was sort of like a really good opportunity just sort of like launch the the series as with a really dramatic uh, melodramatic I would even say like Erebus (laughs) one Um, I agree and then the the (laughs) real Yeah, I said, like, why is the man crying in the forest? Well, here you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and the Rayla one was another, like, like just we talked about when we would reveal Rayla, and this was this is all I can talk about this now because she's been revealed at Comic Con. So it was just like, okay, so we really need. Devastating. <laughs> like, so how good. can we do a piece that sort of supports this sort of lead up to the, the Comic Con one, um, where we will show Rayla and talk about her and things like that. 
Um, and so those ones sort of like slotted in later, but then not too much later. It was just, it was really like early, early on in the process, we were sort of looking at this big picture and then we knew what we were going to write. And then like for the last handful of months, Chris and I have just been working on them and she will send me her drafts and I will send notes and she will adjust. And then I will sort of do an editing pass for like tonal consistency and details that she isn't privy to because she hasn't seen the full season. Um, so they're really collaborative just across, even like just across the teams internally give notes to. And I feel like they were, they were just a really nice process. I've had some really horrible processes for, for which writing is accomplished uh, in professional settings. And this has been smooth and delightful. And uh, I'm sorry, my dog is so needy. Um, <laughs> just delightful, fantastic stuff. Yeah. Wow. So Chris, similar, I'm curious from your perspective on that as well, just did, did you have like, I, I hear that you really enjoy world building, were you, did you have a, a, an idea and a thought and like a fleshed out story for all of them before you started writing? Or was this a like, no, let's focus on one, let's really hone in and zoom in here, and then we'll come zoom back out and zoom back in on the next one. I'm curious what your kind of thought process was. Uh, I remember very early on when uh, we were talking about, okay, we're going to do them for, we're going to do these stories. Um, Devin and I kind of looked over uh, just general beats, like, okay, well, what do we even want to happen? Like, what is this about? Like, like in one sentence, what happens in this one? And we worked over that just, just to kind of be like, eh. and I think that may have even been before it got approved. That was just like a general list. And some of them came back um, were like, and I was like, okay, these are the ones that I will be doing. And at that point, I'd already done some thinking about them in just the broadest strokes. So, uh, so I had that. I, I like to do that early on to be like, here is the the largest fence possible inside which the stories will live. I like to have uh, just uh, make a boundary because if I don't make a boundary, anything could happen. So I yeah. need some sort of giant corral for the ideas. But uh, as it came through the weeks for each story to, you know, I was like, I had, I had little schedules. I put them in my phone, little, you know, reminders like... This one is a here's a here's a ready check on this one. Here's when it needs to be turned in, etc. And so uh, as those would start popping up, I'd be looking on my phone like, okay, it's time to start working on this one. And so I would literally just do them one at a time. Yeah. Um, and I had plenty of time. It was it was a very procedural, repetitive. You know, it's it's a like monster of the week, but it's you know ficlet of the week. And I would I would uh, just focus on that one. I'd spend sometimes a few days, and sometimes it would immediately come to me like, oh, I know exactly how this one's going to go. It would depend yeah. on the story, but there was always uh, a lead up process of sitting around and thinking, and you know, sipping tea or whatever, and staring into the middle distance. And until it, it coalesced enough, and I wrote enough, and I wrote enough uh, outlines and details, and sometimes little snippets of dialogue. And I just sort of throw them all in a dock and stir. Wow. And uh, and then it would uh, coalesce and I'd start writing drafts. And sometimes it would take two, three, four of them. Sometimes the first one was almost the right length. And I'd be like, oh, this is great. I don't really need to adjust this one too much. 
Um, but it was always one at a time. And I would pour all of my focus into, I'm living inside this little ficlet. What do I see from where I'm standing? And I would go a little nuts with the world building. And I'd be like, what if there's this? And what if there's that? And I'm like, no, that that's, that's too much. That's too much. And Devin's like, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't fit all of these things in here sometimes. Um, But I, I thought of them anyway, and I put them in there anyway, because A, I like that part. And B, it's okay if they get cut. You know, if they don't make it, because I enjoy the process of writing them down and including them for, you know, a hot second that they got to be in there. Um, It helps me thoroughly see the room or the the battlements or whatever it is that I'm writing. If I throw in like just a stupid amount of details, I just throw them in there because it makes me feel like it's a real place. And And then if they don't make the cut, that's fine. But I needed to feel that that place was real while I was standing there writing it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really beautiful too for, and even if all of those details aren't there for the reader, right. They are, they are, they're still there, right. They're just not there for somebody to consume. But if we were to watch this on a scene, we might see some of those details that were written that got cut because it was just made it, a, it was more, a different reading experience, right? It's the medium through which we consume changes the details that are allowed to be present. And I just think that's um, super neat to consider as we read these short stories that maybe there's some things here that we wouldn't see as well, but since they were written, we see them better. Um, so it's really interesting to kind of uh, consider the, the media that they were offered in as well. Um, wow. Okay. One of the things that has been a a big factor for fandom has been the order with which these stories have been released. And, you know, again, you have already talked about the anticipation of like, where is Rayla, (laughs) right? That was a huge question for so many people. And then all of a sudden we find out and it's like, oh, oh. (laughs) And um, I'm curious how, how much forethought was in the order with which they were going to be released or was that just somewhat arbitrary or was some of some of them were like very intentional but not all of them I'm curious like what about that how did that feel I would I I can't speak too much about this um because a lot of it was dictated by the the really purposefully well thought out um just campaign pre-season four that our publishing teams like put together and again like my job is to just write the cool things and they sort of yeah well not in this case like facilitate the writing of cool things mostly and then provide that to them and be like here you go we made it go go put it out um and so like largely they decided the order and they did it with intentionality so like the rail piece is a good example of like they really wanted to time that one around the comic con thing and when the trailer came out um etc etc just to sort of like center that experience around Rayla as a character and there's like lighter touches throughout like um uh the amaya one the uh, the the Kareem Amaya one came out first because we had already shown Kareem's character design for example so it wasn't like yeah stepping on any cool reveals and other pieces of the the lead up um I, I say first but I mean first after the Erebus one because that was yeah. sort of just like the kickoff um I'm trying to think and there's like lighter stuff like this last one the Soren Corvus one was you know a, a light hand a light-handed cor- uh, 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 Corvus uh Soren week because like we started with the little mini comic of him and Corvus yeah. lifting weights with Opelli and the rock so sort of <laughs> Again, I'm speaking from sort of almost an outside perspective because like I only contributed to, yeah. to this from the, the content standpoint. Um, but, but that's sort of like the gist that I got from participating from 
just the here's the reflections uh, part of of providing for that effort. Um, but yeah, it, it really think... was. They were brain geniuses about it. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, <laughs> they really were. I think the Callum, the first Callum um, uh, inheritance. I think they scheduled that to come out before. Uh, right, right Comic before Comic Con because yeah. we did the we did the clip, and so like that was. Yes, it, it came right. out right before right. Comic Con. Yeah, they're they're brain. I, we just write stuff, and they like time right. it and make it cool. Yeah, um, yeah. that was because right. at Comic Con we showed the clip of Callum with the mirror. And so the Callum short story is actually like when he discovered the mirror in yeah. the in the basement. And so um, if you, as a whole experience, if you are the type of person to sort of like read and participate in all this Dragon Prince stuff, you get the cool experience of like a couple nights before the clip comes yeah. out, you get this little mini teaser story of like Callum has the mirror and now what? And then you see the clip of Callum with the mirror and it's two years later and he's older and it just it like it's supposed to sort of feel like a like an evolution yeah um, but again that's all all publishing side they, they're the people who sort of like dictate that and they're really good at their jobs <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna echo your what you're saying there is that that has been a really thrilling experience as a as a fan to kind of just be present with these releases and the how everything seems so intentional um, with with release times and uh, like I there there are a lot of fans when I was I was like what would you ask these these wonderful people and there were a lot of questions around like the order and I, for, I'm just sitting here in awe of the this really well coordinated release set. Um, so I guess I'm just going to echo the way that you have kind of articulated that because from my perspective, it's been really lovely to experience it. And I just, again, I want more from other fandoms of, of things like this because I, it doesn't feel like it's as, as intentional elsewhere in, in other situations. And a lot of that, there's a lot of potential reasons for that, but it's just, I want more of this because it's so good. Okay. That's enough of what I want. Um, so um we kind of already heard about this but chris you've gotten uh, to write most of them but there mm -hmm. were a few pieces that um other people wrote and i'm curious like how was it kind of allocated who wrote what and and was it just like it, you kind of already touched on this a little bit devin but did did you like you write these this person write this or was it more like i want to write this one it's actually much less interesting. It's that when we first did the project, uh, Chris was contracted for a certain number of them uh -huh. and we, you know, hit the ground running on that. And then we sort of like took a look at the broad scope. This is again, publishing really good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we think there's opportunities for two more. Um, the first one was the Erebus one, which I took because it, I just sort of like, I've seen beyond season four and I sort of just had the capacity to write something that I hope sort of like as you watch more of the show beyond season four, there's uh, there's some echoes of the stuff he says in that. Um, and the other one was the Rayla one, which I, again, this, this answer makes everything so much less interesting and magical, but I was just going on vacation during that time. So I was like, I'm gonna hand this one to McCall. So, and McCall's brilliant. Um, she's like just an incredible prose writer. Um, and so I was just like, so, so, so happy to be like, can you take this one while I'm, gone yeah. and can you just like take it and run and so she and Paige um who is another writer on the internal team uh they sort of like took that one and managed it and by the time I got back from vacation it was like done and I was like nice and, yeah. and it just went out and so that one was uh 
almost entirely without either of us. Is <laughs> so <laughs> it turned out so good. It, it really did. Uh, oh, McCall, McCall, like I said, like, just incredible writer. Gut wrenching is what that one was. <laughs> Talk about like a, a knee to the stomach uh, of my emotions. It's like, it was, wow. I was like, oh my gosh. You just have to kind of sit there and like pause for a second after reading it and be like, did I just, did I just read that? Like, is that, what I just read? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, that's no joke. Wow. Uh, there's nothing quite as uh, painful as teen love, um, especially that first teen love. I, there's just, there's not like, there's a lot of studies on this that like that is there is nothing quite as powerful in the brain as love, especially first love for a teenager. It's it's exceptional. Um, OK, I, I have a personal curiosity. Uh, a lot of these questions were from from other fans as I took polls on Twitter. But I'm curious also about the illustrations that are tied to each of these. And I'm curious who who decided what would be illustrated for the, and not necessarily literally who, but like, what was the process for how those illustrations came to be paired with each of these stories? It was another one of those, just like in the early PowerPoint presentation, I worked with the story beats that like Chris and I had decided on really, really broad, you know, like Ezrin talks to the council of uh, Zim and Bait about <laughs> his concerns with his crown there would be like a couple more bullet points of image ideas. And this this is, I'm gonna keep this one really short cause I had very little to do with this one. I just sort of saw the pictures and went thumbs up, thumbs down. i never really gave a thumbs down. Mostly I just shrieked and got excited. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so um, publishing folks sort of like picked the ones that they thought would look best and and sort of support the the assets they wanted like the the pictures of the characters in the shards all of that stuff I was completely hands-off on I just sort of like was like these images seem cool and like on the bullet points and then yeah. would just see them as they came in so uh, and it the shout outs to Caleb the artist Club Thomas just one of the most brilliant artists I ever had the like blessing to work with he's so so good his characters are so expressive and he's just got this natural life to everything he draws so I think like they, the fact that we got his time to, because he's also very busy. This is, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a small miracle that he was able to, to contribute to this project too. Um, I was just like, oh my gosh. So it, it, they really like, they bring the stories to life quite a lot. Um, and they add a lot of questions for uh-huh. the fan. Uh-huh. There's a, a lot of times, there's a lot of questions around the images, the image choices. It's it's fascinating. And so it's just really cool, really cool. Uh, okay. Um, one of the things that people have been asking has been, and you've kind of, again, have touched on this, but kind of as you have uh, envisioned these, um, are, is, are, is it necessary that one reads these to be ready for season four? I would imagine no, because that just seems probably like a poor choice. <laughs> but also, like, I imagine there's, uh, it's only going to enhance your experience, not detract from if you watch it without them. But I I don't want to presume. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah, that was entirely the goal. I think it's just like if, like I said before, if you are the type of person who wants to sort of touch every aspect of, you know, the Dragon Prince, these are things that if you have read them and experienced them, there will be things in season four where you can sort of do the Leo pointing at the camera. uh, Like, oh, that was hinted at it in one of the reflections. So I really hope like, yeah, there's just, they're really small things. Like none of them are like big major spoilers, but like, what can I say? Uh, the crown, for example, like you, yeah. 
you will literally see Ezrin with the new crown and you'll have a little bit more story about like why it is the way it is. Yeah. Um, the Kareem Janai one, you might see some aspects of that one crop up in season four again. Uh, just saying, um, please don't get me in trouble. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're not necessary, but they will give you little moments where you have seen a little bit more beyond what is happening literally within the confines of the cartoon. Yeah. So I hope that's cool for the people that really put in the effort to, to read these and, and think about them. Cause they're, like you said, they're intended as supplementary, but rewarding. Um, yeah. If, if it's, you, it's, yeah, it's literally like a, a little treasure hunt kind of thing where you, uh, I, I, I've been privy to the odd small detail from season four and try and work them in here and there. And the idea is that down the line, maybe after season seven is out, it's been years, somebody's going to watch the whole show, somebody's going to read these short stories, and they're going to be like, oh, that's cool, look what they did, huh, you know, yeah. and it, it won't be a big deal, they'll just go on with their life, but they'll have a little moment where they're like, oh, these things connect, Yeah, I, I I, this actually... is deliberate, you know, we deliberately did this just for fun, and, you know, it's not necessary, it's not necessary, it's just, if you like that sort of thing, which I do, that's really my jab. Um, then you're going to like reading these stories because they do have yeah. every now and again a, a little direct little spark. To I'm the not going to tell you which one, but one of them actually has a teeny, teeny tiny detail that is a season five detail. Oh. Just letting you know. All right, everyone. Not saying which that's, one. <laughs> that's our that's our cue. Everybody go go scavenge and read them <laughs> and find the detail. Get out the fine um, tooth combs, guys. <laughs> if, if you have a theory, you should tweet at us and let me know. <laughs> I would like to know because I have no idea what it is. Uh, I've been reading them. Yep, all. That's all I'll give. I, that's yeah. That's a fun little treasure hunt. So yeah. and, and after season four, if you after you watch season four, like okay, which of these details maybe wasn't hinted on in season four? There, you might get a better idea. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so I only have <laughs> one more broad question for all of these before we kind of uh, tie this up. But before I ask that, I'm curious. What are the what are the what are the things we haven't talked about broadly about the project as a whole that you all are like, I wanted to make sure we touched on this before we transitioned to a little bit more in-depth, smaller uh, episodes on the reflections themselves? I think we've like really thoroughly covered all the stuff that excited me about right? them. I'm like struggling. Um, I guess like I, I was really excited to pick and choose which characters got them and mm -hmm. like why. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm just excited because I think they've really fulfilled their role in setting some tones, setting some expectations and like little, little crumbs for season four. So I'm actually really excited to see people watch season four and I hope to see people being like, oh yeah, like that was in the reflection, you know, like, it, yeah. like and maybe providing like people pointing other fans to the reflections pieces, yeah. um, you know, as they experience season four and sort of like want a little bit more out of it. Hopefully I hope fingers crossed. So that's, that's my piece. I love it. Anything for you, Chris? Um, really, just just what what has been said about the opportunity to for more people to see something relatable. I think yeah. in, in especially in such a small. Again, I take this as a as a fun challenge. Um, in such a small. Uh, ficklet. I, there's hardly, I mean, there's what, a few thousand words tops that are out there yeah. right now that I have created. Um, but they are, they're, you know, the chocolate guy from TikTok. <laughs> it, it's, 
Okay. It, it's just so much work goes into these little things that are just meant to be consumed and you move on from, but yeah. they're, they're pretty. There's just, there's details that yeah. the more you turn it and look at it, there's more there. Yeah. And some of those details are meant for everybody. Some of them will appeal more to certain people than others. I tried to write things so that everybody could find something in them. Everybody could uh. find something in them. And I feel like I've, I've done a good job on that so far. Yeah. Uh, to the, I've done my best. And I am, yeah. I'm content with that at this point. Yeah. And I, I can just hear from both of you, the, the passion behind this project. And I'm just really grateful that you were willing to put yourself and your creativity and your life energy into this, because uh, I know at least one person, that's me, <laughs> has gotten a lot of joy from this. So I, oh, I really, thank you. I'm uh, so glad. Yeah. I really appreciated this whole process. My, my final question before I invite us into our gratitude for this episode is, are there any more coming out? Because there are a few characters that quite haven't been represented. You might not be able to answer this, but I'm like, I'm just, I'm just curious. What's, is there, are there more? What's, what's there? November 3rd is right around the corner. So who knows? Maybe there's, who knows? I'm just curious. Can I ask that? Is that allowed? They're both. I was going to give it to Chris. Chris, how many more are there? Uh, There, there's, there's another. All right. Well, then more. I, I guess we're just gonna have to wait on bated breath to see who uh, is represented in that one. Um, I know that I can't wait. I know that there's a lot of people who are speculating about who is going to be in this one. And so there, there's some uh, interesting choices that you could go with. Maybe they'll incorporate all the all the people in one. Maybe not. We'll find <laughs> out. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out. OK, well, with that in mind, um, the for everyone who's listening our goal is we have done a broad spectrum conversation around the reflection project as a whole and we're going to tie up this episode with some gratitude for picking a character in the dragon prince universe maybe uh narrowing it down to picking a character that's been represented in these short stories thicklets as you have been describing them and uh who is one person that you're particularly grateful for that has helped you better to live in our own reality um, based off of their actions or their thought processes? Hmm. I have a really hard time like connecting them back to myself, uh, but I'm going to say Ezrin. And the reason is I saw like some reactions to that one that are like, oh, Ezrin, you know, the, the perfect little king uh, uh-huh. never makes any mistakes, uh, never has any real challenges and I was I sort of raised my eyebrows a little and I because I do I think like I, I want to challenge this this poor lad um, yeah. and I hope I hope um like, like I said I really enjoy well I don't want to say too much but um <laughs> I, I like that his sets up a a sense of his naivety and his but also his uh his good heart I think, um, yeah. and I hope, uh, like, I think that's very universal, almost like this, this desire to be better and to do good by others. That is so much more complicated than any of us can like yeah. conceive of in, uh, in the grand scale of things. So I am grateful for Ezrin being Ezrin, and I hope he can remain Ezrin for uh, the foreseeable uh, journey he's about to embark on. Here, here. Chris, what about you? Who are you grateful for? Oh, Soren. It's got to be Soren. Um, 
specifically because of how hard it was for him, to, <laughs> how hard it was for him to ask, but he really wanted to ask. Um, and uh, he made himself do it. I, I vibe with that real strong, actually. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how I got here, you know? So seeing him um, struggle with, I mean, clearly, he, he'd been working on that for a while. Yeah. And to see him struggle with, is this going to work? What if he says no? You know, that that whole mm, routine and, and just running laps in his head. And, and then it. he got up his courage and he did it anyway. And... Corvus said yes. Yeah. Oh, that was such a beautiful moment. Okay. Okay. We'll get more to that when we go into individual <laughs> ones. But okay. For me, the the one I have been just really grateful for, uh, I've actually really found a lot of joy reading. Uh, and I read it again recently, the, the Queen's Soul on Ritual, thinking about, you know, this ritual that was performed for Kessa. And I, I think there's so much to be gained from having a ritual around um, important events in our lives. And I guess I'm, I'm really grateful for both, um, both of the main characters in that for, for really giving us a chance to, to lean into the importance of ritual there. So I'm, I'm grateful for that and I can't wait to, to talk more about it. But for this episode, we are going to come to a close. Thank you so much, both of you, for, for giving us a chance to, to dive more deeply into this, this project as a whole. Um, and I just am grateful for your time and energy. Uh, if people want to find you on some sort of social network that you want them to find you on, uh, what would you tell them? What, how would you want people to find you? Uh, do not perceive me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm at Devin Gill on Twitter. That's that's where I post most of my my goblin brain ideas about things. Awesome. Okay. And then Chris, if, um, if like I like Neil Gaiman, I don't have social media. Um, no, I I do have a Twitter. It's um, at Sellsword Chris. That's about. Uh, that's it. That's where you can find me. All right. Everyone, you've had the luxury of hearing these two wonderful people give us uh, all of the dirty deets on all the, on all these reflections. And so I'm just going to welcome you to reach out on Twitter if you'd like to find them. And if not, just thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, keep in mind, we're going to have some mini episodes coming over the next couple of days as well on the reflections individually. So thank you all. Uh, for listening. You can find us at Bending Not Breaking on all the things, BNB underscore pod. And I can't wait to see you all for the next couple of mini sessions. Bye.